from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. The search for the perfect Christmas tree. We do as much as we can to encourage the family experience. What it takes to grow these holiday traditions in Louisiana. Lessons learned. So I would say those areas are more likely to have more weed pressure next year. How this year's battle against weeds will help farmers next growing season in today's Weed Warriors. Plus, where is the cattle market heading? You're on pace to have an all-time record of the most deep cows slaughtered in this country for calendar year of 2022. An in-depth look at the industry that has battled drought, higher feed prices, supply chain issues, and packer margins. Right now on Active. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Cattle producers liquidated their herds this summer with drought across much of cattle country. They also face poor pasture and winter wheat conditions. So what does that mean for the fall cattle run and the market outlook? Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us with the answer. Clinton, live cattle futures hit new contract highs on October 25th, but have disappointed the bulls as they've been consolidating ever since. Meanwhile, feeder cattle futures hit contract highs in mid-August and have never retested the highs, even with historically tight supplies. So when is the marketing hole finally going to hit? Market experts tell me while it's past due, there's clues pointing to 2023. With deep culling, daily cattle slaughters continue to run in the 127 to 129,000 head range. And for the year, slaughters up about 1.5% over 2021. Some of it's the increased cow slaughter. Your beef cow slaughter is still running high, 83, a little over 83,500 last week. Uh, you're on pace to have an all-time record of the most beef cows slaughtered in this country for a calendar year of 2022. Cow slaughter should start to taper off soon, and with larger feeder cattle runs through the summer and fall, those numbers have started to tighten as well, reflected in the price. Starting uh, in mid-October, we, we did see, start to see uh, some year-over-year -year decreases in the feeder cattle runs. Uh, and we've also seen prices improve in the last half of October and going into November. We've seen a significant recovery in the prices. I've, certainly the uh, fall low, I think, is already in. He says the biggest feeder numbers usually come late November and December, but he thinks more moved early in the south. There's a good chance they'll be a little bit smaller than usual as, as we finish out uh, this fall calf run. So when will the tighter numbers start hitting the live cattle market? One key will be when heifers start being retained instead of placed in feedlots, but likely first quarter 2023. I, I remain supply side very optimistic here for the next year or so. Maybe by April we, we could get the market on top of 160 if it falls right, in my opinion. And he's more bullish longer term. I think someplace here in the next 12 to 16 months, we're going to a place of all-time highs, which is 174. That's barring a black swan or economic event to hurt demand. Tighter numbers are also anticipated in Friday's cattle on feed report, with on-feed estimates down 2% and placements down 4%. At the same time, even with higher feed costs, the latest sterling Beef Packer Margin Tracker has average profits of $222 per head for cattle feeders, the highest since late April. All right, thanks, Michelle. Happening right now, UN officials say they're working nonstop to keep the Black Sea Grain Initiative going past a Saturday deadline, even as air raid warnings sounded across Ukraine amid a barrage of Russian missiles. Bloomberg News reporting that Russia is expected to extend the Black Sea Grain Export deal. The UN Chief General stressing the effectiveness of the deal in 
helping to stabilize markets and bring food prices down. But the fighting goes on with Russian airstrikes targeting energy and other facilities in Ukraine from east to west. Now the attacks causing broad power blackouts. The finish line is in sight when it comes to harvest. USDA reports 93% of the corn crop is in the bin. That's 8% ahead of average. As for soybeans, now 96% is harvested, 5% ahead of that five-year average. Cotton, still a ways to go with 71% picked. That's 8% ahead of average, while winter wheat planting also almost complete with 96% now on the ground, 3% ahead of normal, and condition ratings improved week over week. Now. 32% rated good to excellent. A blast of winter weather is targeting the Midwest and Great Lakes. Meteorologist Matt Urasavik has an update. That's right, Clinton. We've got more wintry weather moving in. Cold air following behind it. And you can see these temperatures are going to be very, very frigid, especially in the northern plains, upper Midwest, and into the Great Lakes. We're going to be dealing with temperatures in the low 30s, upper 20s, and feels like temperatures could be down in the teens or even in some cases below zero, especially in parts of the Dakotas. But you can see those temperatures even chilly all the way down into the Gulf Coast with highs only in the 50s and some snow falling across the upper Midwest into the Great Lakes and downwind of the Great Lakes. We're going to be seeing a sizable amount of snow, especially downwind of Lake Michigan, Lake Erie, and in upstate New York as well. That'll be something we watch heading into the weekend. And here's a look at those snow totals. You can see some snow falling, lighter snow falling in parts of the Rockies. Upper Midwest will see a couple of inches, but it's really downwind of the lakes where we're going to see most of the snow falling over the next couple of days. And we'll continue to track that on Ag Day. We'll have more on that in just a little bit. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And checking the yields in the fields, Robert Sandberg of Ainsworth, Iowa, calling a wrap on harvest this year. He says for corn, he saw 180 bushels to the acre, all the way up to 250, depending on rain. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. The deadly bird flu continues to be an issue, and because of that, the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship is announcing it's canceling all live bird exhibitions at fairs. The department's order is in effect for a minimum of 30 days, and those 30 days have to pass without a confirmation of a new HPAI infection in poultry in the state. Now, a similar order was put into place back in March and lasted until June. Iowa has been the hardest hit state for the virus, reporting 17 affected commercial flocks, six backyard flocks impacting more than 15 million birds. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN Smart Nitrogen. Whether you're a new farmer or have been doing it for years, improving soil health is always important, and adding livestock can be a big benefit. But what do you do if you don't own any cattle? In Nebraska, farmers are partnering with local cow-calf producers to help flip their soil. Now, there are mutual benefits for both the livestock producer and the grain farmer. That was especially true this year with cattle operators looking for additional forage due to the drought. The benefit to the producer is they have a, uh, a source of feed for their livestock so they can continue on with their cow-calf operation. And the benefit to our farm is generally, I mean, it's not just one thing. We see the removal of the like, fodder 
from the sorghum and corn as well. But we also see the benefit from the manure. We see the benefit from cycling those nutrients uh, back through a live animal. Plus, he says they're able to capture the fertility benefits and cost savings of the livestock waste on their farmland. Corn and soybeans turned back positive on Tuesday. Michelle Rook returns with a look at where markets are moving here at midweek. And later, we head to a Christmas tree farm before the busy season arrives in the country. Farm finances remain strong right now despite the financial impact of drought. That's the assessment of a new quarterly report from the Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank. Now it says interest rates on farm loans increased sharply in the third quarter. At the same time, it says the increase in farm real estate values continue to ease. Farm income and credit conditions, they remain solid. It warns volatility in crop markets, higher expenses and drought could hinder incomes for some producers. Corn and soybeans making some gains after Mexico bought more than 230,000 metric tons of corn and 261,000 metric tons of beans on Tuesday. Michelle is back with market reaction and what we're watching midweek in Markets Now. Tuesday's markets were mostly higher except for the cattle complex. Uh, joining us, Brian Grady with Pro Farmer and Grains turning after some early weakness on Tuesday, Brian. And a lot of that had to do with uh, outside market factors, including Russia perhaps bombing Poland, is that right? Absolutely. So quite the tumultuous day in the grain markets. You know, we started overnight uh, with, with news that uh, Russia was probably going to extend the grain export deal with Ukraine and, and uh, finished the day, uh, the trading day anyway, with uh, news that uh, a couple uh, missiles apparently went across the border into Poland and, and killed some civilians there. And, and uh, so um, just really flipped the script. And, and we saw the, the wild price action that uh, start the day lower and, and you finish the day with uh, price strength. So does this mean the export deal, the Black Sea export deal is off, you think, or what? No, I don't necessarily think so, but it, it does show how sensitive markets are to this. And it's no small deal that a, a NATO country was bombed, uh, whether it was a stray missile or, or not. Uh, that doesn't really matter. I, I suppose it, uh, uh, you know, if it was a mistake, which I anticipate that that will be the case uh, when all said and done, uh, it, it still happened and, and you can't take that away. And, and so uh, I just think the sensitivity of the matter uh, really showed in today's price action. Soybeans also did get a little help from meal and oil being higher, but more so because we did get some demand news, right? Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that all the markets right now are kind of starving for demand news. On the soybean side of things, I still have hopes that uh, we can get to where USDA's uh, forecast is. May have to back it down some. On corn and wheat, uh, there just isn't much hope there uh, at the moment. Uh, so we've really got a lot of ground to make up, and, and corn in particular is falling really far behind. Uh, the wheat inspections number on Monday was the lowest ever, uh, and so it's just not, not very much good news on the export side of things right now. And did we also see short covering, at least in corn, because we bounced off that 100-day moving average, that key 650 support area or not? Yeah, the technicals still matter, and and we developed uh, you know a short-term downtrend there. We'd broken out from the uh, the sideways trading range that had, had contained prices for a couple months. So the the big rebound late in the day on Tuesday uh, gets us back to kind of a neutral stance. We'll see where we go from there. Yeah, we'll see if we get any follow through. Thanks so much for joining us, Brian Grady with Pro Farmer. More Ag Day coming up.
Ag Day is brought to you by NK Seeds, the fastest growing seed brand getting you top hybrids and varieties that perform on your acre. NK Seeds, bushels don't lie. Meteorologist Matt Urasavik joining us here taking a look at our national forecast. And Matt, obviously we talked about it yesterday. It's going to get cold and it's going to feel even colder. Yeah, that Arctic air really coming down from the north. And that's also what's going to be kind of creating some of that lake effect snow we talked about. So not only the cold temperatures, but we've got snow to go along with it. And we'll start with these temperatures. You can see the feels like temperatures. This factors in that wind that will be whipping across the northern plains and the upper Great Lakes. And it's going to bring those temperatures down into the 20s for some single digits there in Omaha even below zero up in North Dakota. So very, very cold air going to be moving on in. And as that moves over those Great Lakes, that's where we'll start to see a lot of that snow begin to pile up. And again, we talk, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But here's what the actual temperatures look like this afternoon. Upper 30s in Chicago, low 30s there in Minneapolis and back into Rapid City. We'll be in the 50s down across the south, still hitting a high close to 90 in southern Florida. So it will be still warm and very muggy just out ahead of that front, which will be crossing through Jacksonville. You can see that temperature difference. It'll be a little breezy there in the Sunshine State as well. And then we've got those temperatures dropping down single digits overnight and into tomorrow morning there in Bismarck and into the teens for Chicago as some of those flakes could continue to fly by tomorrow afternoon. Still in the 30s over most of the east and teens coming into the northern plains and the northern Rockies as well. Staying very mild though across parts of Texas, a little on the cooler side, still hitting highs in the low 70s though for Southern California and parts of Arizona. Here's a look at our uh, future track model showing that one system getting out of here, that cold front slowly moving through the Sunshine State and then reinforcing cold air with some of those lake enhanced snow showers moving on through. High pressure and control for most of the west until we get another system that will be moving down through the Rockies, bringing some higher elevation snow there. But the cold will continue through the week and the end of the week and into the weekend for most of the Great Lakes and the east with all that cold air. And again, dealing with the snow downwind of Lake Michigan, downwind of Lake Erie. That's really where they're going to get hammered near the Buffalo area where we could be looking at feet of snow and we'll continue to track that right here on Ag Day. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at the weather where you live. South Bend, Indiana, lake effect snow likely, a high near 35 degrees. Heading to Plattsburgh, New York, rain and snow likely, snow mixing in from time to time, a high of 36 degrees, and mostly sunny in Roy, New Mexico, a high of 38. Weeds were bad for many farmers this year, but will farmers be able to get their hands on herbicides that were in short supply for the next growing season? A leading weed scientist has the inside scoop. Next. Weed Warriors on Ag Day is brought to you by Fierce, a pre-emergence herbicide with three formulations. Learn more at valent.com fierce. Always read and follow label instructions. From drought to supply chain issues, weeds were tough to control in 2022. And as Farm Journal's Stein Morgan tells us in this week's Weed Warriors, 
One leading scientist expects the battle against weeds to be just as challenging in the new year. Palmer Amaranth, mare's tail, water hemp. Weeds were a constant struggle for farmers this past growing season with some key lessons learned. But I would say one of the things that I would look back on from last year was the lack of certain herbicide options, the shortages, uh, input prices are high, but coupled with that is all kinds of supply chain issues and everything else. In our world, at the farmer level, that meant a lot of people weren't able to spray maybe what they had intended to spray. And for the 2023 growing season, University of Missouri's Kevin Bradley expects similar supply chain headaches to occur. Quite frankly, everything I'm hearing from retailers and economists and everything else says that we're probably in for the same next year with regard to that. The other issue for some states is drought. As dryness remains parked over the country, it's also creating a unique battle for controlling weeds. It usually uh, equated to weeds that went all the way to flowering and seed production and those seed are back in the soil right now. So yes, I would say those areas are more likely to have more weed pressure next year. And he says in those states, pre-emergence residual herbicides will be a key part of the weed control recipe for 2023. Reporting for Ag Day, I'm Tyne Morgan. All right, thanks Tyne. Still ahead, do you love the smell of real Christmas trees? If so, you're not alone. We'll put you in the holiday mood by visiting a Christmas tree farm in the country. Why do people get real Christmas trees? Apparently, it's all about the scent. The Real Christmas Tree Board doing a survey about it with four out of five people saying that real Christmas trees just smell like Christmas. And 48% of those who bought a real tree last year said their top reason for buying it was because of the scent. And how do those people ask feel when they smell a real Christmas tree? 42% said joyful more than any other emotion. And according to the National Christmas Tree Association, about 25 to 30 million Christmas trees are sold in the U.S. every year. Those trees are grown by farmers at places like Curry Farms in Rayville, Louisiana. This week in Louisiana Agriculture's Brianne Hendrickson takes us on a tour. In 1980, my wife, she came in one day and said, what do you think about planting Christmas trees? And I said, why not? That is how Curry Farms, now fourth generation farm, planted their roots in the Christmas tree industry and have continued to grow ever since. Our farm has about uh, almost 6,000 trees growing on it of four different ages. It takes us about four years to get a tree seven and a half to eight feet tall. Now there are some exceptions to that. Some of our soil varies and some of those trees will get 12 to 14 feet tall in that same length of time. We've had uh, thousands of trees blown flat on the ground after a hurricane and it's pretty labor intensive to go back in and you have to get special wooden stakes to stand them up and prop them up and uh, after about two days they start trying to, the trunks of the trees try to grow toward the sun and you end up with once you get them standing up, all the trees look like they're curtsying to one another. They will straighten out, but it's kind of scary when you first see that happening. We're really promoting come to the farm, walk through the trees, breathe in the fragrance the trees are putting off, find that perfect tree, 
and here at our farm, we'll actually cut that tree down for you. You don't have to do that. You can come in your Sunday best if you want to. We do as much as we can to encourage the family experience. Our thanks to This Week in Louisiana Agriculture for sharing that story. That's all the time we have this morning. I'm sure glad you tuned in. Tomorrow, this here at Ag Dan Clinton Have a great day.